We begin a new book now in our Gospels series. We've exited Mark, and we begin here in Luke. And we're going to focus specifically on this moment where Jesus is in his hometown in the local synagogue, and uh, he's gathering for worship where they grab the Scriptures, and then somebody begins to, to teach or preach on the Scriptures. So they're gathering for worship, And you see this powerful moment take place as Jesus talks about how these scriptures are being fulfilled and he's the one fulfilling them. And then there's a variety of things that take place after that as they begin to break this down. I think it's very interesting that where we're at in our reading, and just so happens that we schedule the Gideons International on this particular Sunday, the emphasis on God's Word, and where we're at with our reading and the message today being on the power of God's Word. And I was in one of the elementary Sunday school classes, and they had a major emphasis on God's Word today, and they were challenged and encouraged to take notes during this service today. And of all the things we're focusing in on, how about it be on the power of God's Word as they're in a lesson on God's Word. And you see how God is orchestrating all of that. I don't know about you, but that just kind of gets me all excited to see, okay, the Lord has something that He wants us to receive today. And we're going to dig in together. And it's in uh, Luke chapter 4. We're going to start with verse 14. But I just before we begin, I want us to just get a picture of the setting here. So there's a a couple pictures you're going to see here of what a synagogue might have looked like in Jesus' day. So um, kind of a brick building there, if you will. And then they go inside and you see this space where there's the pillars, places for people to sit. And then, of course, the one that would be reading would be at that table. You see there there's even kind of a closet tucked off to the side where they would keep the scrolls. And they'd bring those scrolls out. They'd read from the scrolls and they'd begin to unpack what God's Word was saying, and it's kind of similar to where we're at here. I'm, I've, if you will, I've gone to the closet and I brought out God's word, and I'm going to read God's word, and then we're going to unpack it. So very similar as far as uh, some of the things we do here today. Before we begin, I just want to pray because this is God's word, and He speaks to us through His word, and so we're going to ask God to just settle our hearts and be ready to receive from Him. So would you pray with me before we begin? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace, the grace of the Word of God that comes into our lives and impacts us in very powerful ways. And as we get ready to read from the Word, I pray that you would speak to us. And Lord, I pray that your Spirit would be at work in our heart, leading us to respond to you today. We lift this time of worship to you. We ask for your blessing now. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, a very elementary foundational thing here. The Word of God is two things. It's Christ Himself, Jesus, and it's the Scriptures. And this is a really cool passage because you see this coming together where the Word is standing there with a scroll that is the Word, and He's reading this to those who are there. Very powerful. Okay, let's read here starting in verse 14. The Bible says that Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power and reports about him spread quickly through the whole region and he taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up. So I'm going to just ask you guys right now, would you please stand? 
he stood up to read the Scriptures. And it says, The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this is written. And the memory verse for this week, you'll see it on the screen. This is what Jesus reads in verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant, and then Jesus sat down. Okay, you can go ahead and be seated. You can see a reverence for the Word of God. And all the eyes in the synagogue looked at Jesus intently. And he began to speak to them. He says, the scriptures you've just heard have been fulfilled this very day. And everyone spoke well of Jesus, and they were amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't he Joseph's Son, remember, they're in his hometown. They would know his background. Then he said, you undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did, uh, do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the heavens were closed for three and a half years, and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. And jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. And they intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Okay, that's where we're going to stop. Quite a scene here. Okay, they come out with this scroll. Jesus begins to read from it and then unpack it a little bit. And then all of a sudden, everybody's getting a little upset. And he tries to, you know, make his way out without being mobbed and kicked around. I hope that's not how it goes here today as I try to unpack the word. We do have a couple exits in the back. I know where we're at. We can maybe slip out of here as well. But you imagine that kind of room and that location where they're at, kind of a smaller space, and this group of people, and they're getting upset, and they're ready to basically uh, whip him. And if you will, take him outside, so to speak, but he slips through and he escapes. I want to point out a few things in regards to God's word with this passage. And one of the first things I want to note is the gathering around God's word. There is something that takes place when we gather together around God's Word, whether that's you as a family, whether that's you in a Bible study, or whether that's in this situation like the weekly worship in a synagogue, they're gathering around God's Word. And I think it's interesting that the Bible uses phrases like, He taught regularly in people's synagogues. Now, these, these small towns that were quite a ways from the temple in Jerusalem, if there were ten Jewish families in that home, 
they would have enough then to build a synagogue in that home or in that hometown, if you will. And so here's this synagogue, and Jesus is coming there for regular worship. And it says that when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went in as usual. This wasn't out of the ordinary for Jesus. Worship was a regular thing. He went in as usual. If you actually break down the Greek word for as usual, it's as customary, or even this word habit. He made a habit of regular worship. And that still exists today. We make a habit of going to church, gathering together around God's Word. And as I was breaking this down this week and studying, I noticed a little note here with the Life Application Study Bible. Jesus went to the synagogue as usual, even though He was the perfect Son of God and His local synagogue undoubtedly left much to be desired. Jesus attended services every week. Jesus' example makes our excuses for not attending church sound weak and self-serving. Ouch! But there's truth in that. Think of all the excuses that we can come up with to not be a part of the gathering around God's Word. It actually makes me think of this song from the gospel group called The Kingsmen. And when I was a kid, I remember singing this song, but it's called Excuses, Excuses. And the, the song goes, you'll hear them every day, and the devil, he'll supply them if church you stay away. And when people come to know the Lord, the devil always loses. So to keep folks away from church, he offers them excuses. And I like the song as it goes on. It actually lists some of the excuses. In the summer, it's too hot. And in the winter, it's too cold. And in the springtime, when the weather's just right, you find someplace else to go. Continues on saying, well, the church benches are too hard. And that choir sings way too loud. And boy, you know how nervous you get when you're sitting in a great big crowd. And well, a headache on Sunday morning and a backache on Sunday night. But by work time Monday morning, you're feeling quite all right. Well, one of those children that you have has a cold, pneumonia, you suppose, and the whole family had to stay home just to blow the poor kid's nose. (laughs) Excuses, excuses. We need to make regular worship a part of our life. And I realize that today in the age that we live in, we have access to technology and we can tune in and we can hear a good message on a screen, but there's something about gathering together around the Word of God. And I think there's legitimate reasons for the value of our live stream ministry. We're very thankful for that. I feel like I can't go anywhere anymore without somebody being like, hey, I'm listening to you. And it's like, okay, that's awesome. That's great. The ministry of the Word is going forth and it's reaching people. But there's something about gathering around the Word of God. If Jesus modeled that as the perfect Son of God, then we, I think, can take that example and say, I want to make this a regular part of my life. The gathering around God's Word. And there is power in the Word of God. And in that section that we memorized this last week, Luke 4, and then uh, adding in 17 through 19, when he opens up the scroll from Isaiah and begins to read it, there's several things that he reads from Isaiah 61. Jesus is anointed by the Spirit. He brings good news. He sets 
people free. He heals the broken. And that ministry of Jesus Christ is still active to this day. He says, this is the year of the Lord's favor. It is right here and it is right now. And so not only is Jesus that, but as he's speaking from the Scriptures, the Scriptures do the same thing. They're inspired by the Holy Spirit. They bring the good news into our life. They set people free. They heal the brokenhearted. And to this day, the Scriptures are inspired and they're active. The Bible says that the Word of God is active. It's a sharp sword that, that cuts to our heart. And there's a power in the Word of God. So just as Isaiah prophesied these words for the nation of Israel, for the deliverance of Israel from that exile they had in Babylon, and the year of Jubilee was coming, now Jesus steps forward, takes that very Scripture that Isaiah prophesied about, and He says, this day, this has been fulfilled. And it's then carried forward. This is now handed on to the disciples in Luke chapter 9. They're to go out and minister to people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then in Acts chapter 1, you see this is, this is the mission of the church. So we can take, if you put that list back up there from Luke 4, the five things, anointed, the good news, setting people free, healing broken people, it's active today. You and I take that ministry right there of the, the Word of God and we bring that out into our communities each and every day. That's been passed on for us to be involved in. There's a mission that you and I are a part of. Not just Gideon International. All of us have a mission to see the Word of God move forth in people's lives. So you see something taking place in the hearts and lives of these people as they're sitting here, they're listening to Jesus present from Isaiah 61, and you'll notice that God's Word does a stirring in people's hearts. Right before the service, Gregory and I, we were talking, and he said, there's a testimony from somebody that got saved through a Gideon Bible and it was an encounter where there was nobody else that was there to lead that person to Christ. They just stumbled upon the Word of God and God met them there as they were walking through the Scriptures and they received Jesus Christ into their life. They received salvation. God stirs in our hearts with the Word of God and you see that right out the gate here in verse 20. It says, All eyes in the synagogue looked at Jesus intently. There was something about what he's saying that was stirring in them. In verse 22, it says they were amazed by the gracious words that came from the lips of Jesus. God's Word stirs in our hearts, but then how do we respond to that stirring? Because then there's questions. How could this be? He's Joseph's son. And I know we live in small-town Iowa where it seems like everybody kind of knows everybody's business. And there's a reputation. Maybe you've got a last name. And of course, oh yeah, we know your parents. We know your family. We know all of those things. And, and Jesus, we know your background. How in the world could you be doing all of these things? And so they're beginning to question Jesus and what he's able to do. And I think there's a taking for granted of the Word of God. They're so familiar with him and his background, they just don't actually see how big of a deal this really is. 
And in one of the study Bibles, I was walking through the new Spirit-Filled Life study Bible, it says the most familiar with great people sometimes are the least appreciative of their greatness. And you think in our culture, the access that you and I have to the Word of God, and yet we might take it for granted sometimes. I mean, God's Word goes into a, a country and, and a place where they have never heard the gospel, and they're just eating this up. God's Word has arrived into their nation, and they are consuming it. And then here in our country, it's like one of the most sold books, but probably one of the least read. Is there a certain point where we've become all too familiar that we then take God's Word for granted? So how do we respond when God is stirring our hearts with the Word of God, do we take that for granted? And then to know, too, that there's an impartiality of God's Word. So as they're kind of questioning, who's this guy in their hometown? How could this be? And then Jesus gives an example of these things that are happening to a widow and to a leper that would be considered Gentiles. These were not people who were of Israel. In fact, God chose to not minister to the widows or the leper of Israel, but instead went to these people who were outsiders. And Jesus is basically saying there's an impartiality here. God's Word is available to everyone. It's not just a Jew thing. Okay, And you see them get all frustrated. They go from looking intently at Jesus, amazed by His gracious words, and then questioning the Word, and then getting to a point where they're angry. They're upset that God's grace would be extended to even outsiders. And so in the midst of this, guys, I think one of the things you see here is there's a judgment that comes from God's Word. There's a judgment that comes from God's Word. You see the people's response. It says they were furious. They jumped up. They mobbed him. They forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. And they attended to push him over the, the cliff. You see the people's response to the Word of God. And what does Jesus do? He passes right through the crowd and he goes on his way. You know, a couple weeks ago we had the parable of the sower or the parable of the soils. And you see all these different places where the Word of God is scattered. And I think... Every time that happens, we hear God's Word. All four soils hear the Word of God, but only one truly accepts it. And there is a bit of a judgment that comes with God's Word. See, I think God is revealing Himself to us. The Bible talks about general revelation. You look around at creation and you say, wow, there's got to be a Creator there has to be a God. And then based on how your heart responds to that, then the Scriptures tell us in Romans 1, 2, and 3 that now there's a more specific revelation that's given to us in the Word of God. And how do we respond to that? And with the judgment of the Word of God, it kind of opens up our heart and says, okay, what are things that I need to look at here? And one of them, the most important thing is, do I have Christ in my life? And the people that continually reject God's Word, there's a day they'll stand before the judge. And you think of all these opportunities you had to respond when God's Word came to you. And you think of all those people in the synagogue 
who chased him out. The word was right in front of them, reading from the word, and they chased him out. In reflection here, I, I want us to sing together a couple verses from this song, How Great Thou Art. And so, Donna Lee, would you be able to help us in that? But thinking of the general revelation and the specific revelation, this song unpacks this. Okay? In the very first verse, it talks about, I mean, you look around, how great thou art. We're in awesome wonder. But then in verse 3, you see a very specific revelation of the Word of God. When I think that God, His Son not sparing, sent Him. Who's Him? The Word of God. Sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross my burden gladly bearing, that He, the Word, He bled and died to take away my sin. The power of the Word of God and how He's come to redeem us from sin, but then to guide us in our life as you and I walk out this relationship with the Word. And so would you join me in singing here, starting in verse 1, this song, How Great Thou Art. O Lord my God, when I an awesome wonder. Please sing with me. Thank you guys. 
as we prepare to receive communion together and thinking about the sacrifice of Christ, that God, His Son not sparing, I want to read to you that moment Jesus had with His disciples when He says that I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that He was betrayed, He took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But recognizing the word of God and the sacrifice that he made to set the captives free and to heal those who are broken. And I'm so thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pray here in a moment before we begin communion. I, I want to lay out an opportunity that if there's somebody here this morning that's listening to this message, and you think, I don't know if I've yet been set free by Jesus Christ, I want to lead you in that prayer of forgiveness, to receive that forgiveness that he brings and to be set free. So let's pray together before we take communion. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power and the ministry of your word. And as it impacts our heart, impacts our life, Lord, I know your spirit is at work. There are some who are listening to this word and they're leaning in. And as we lean in, Lord, I pray that your spirit would help them to respond and accept the word. There's someone right now that desires to be set free by Jesus Christ. And I invite you to pray with me right now to receive him into your life. Just pray with me in your heart and say, Jesus, set me free. Heal me. I believe in the power of your word. And I believe that you died for my sin. And that you rose again. And as I put my faith and trust in you, I'm asking for forgiveness of my sin and that you'd set me free and that you'd make me a new person. Give me a new heart. And I receive you today by grace through faith. Thank you for this gift of salvation. And Lord, for all of us as we respond to God's word, may we be people who receive it, and also people that take this word out into the highways and byways of life as we minister to those around us who are in desperate need of the gospel. We thank you for this word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.